It's time for Honest Reflection in Youth Ministry. The present culture is more established than ever, yet so crushing for many a youth pastor. There's a lot to be learned about youth ministry and even more to be shared. Here's to hoping that this helps, whether you are 19 and have just started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years. We hope that this weekly dose of honesty and humor will help to heal and renew hope for you and yours. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest hour in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After Nine. My name is Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Working. Dude, how in the world are you? Chad, I am exhausted. <laughs> uh, you are catching me at the tail end of two weeks abroad uh, as I'm literally about to load up and go to another thing. But I love it. Like I, I slept two hours last night, but I still got up this morning, mowed the yard, went to the gym, uh, just feeling it, doing wow, great, man. How are you, how are you doing? <laughs> Making it happen. Where have you Where have you been? Uh, I just got back from Southeast Asia in Cambodia with a group of our youth and young adults on mission with a group that I'm sure that I'll tweet and blog about later. Uh, a group called RDI that does water filtration, hygiene, health clinics, and Bible studies with folks over in villages in Cambodia. It was an incredible time. I'm still processing, so I'm still kind of on that that mission trip high of like. It was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> I don't remember what we did. <laughs> what uh what's what's Cambodia like? Give me a quick snapshot. Uh so like it, the history of of that country is is really saddening. Uh it is it, it is the country in that area um, that was at one time middle e- uh, medieval ages, like probably the most prosperous country uh, in the part of the world over there. Like the ancient wonders of Angkor Wat is like this like playground of temples. Like it's like acres and acres of temples, and you just drive around and you see all these different kind of like beautiful structures. Like it's like pyramid esque, right? Like you go there and you're like, this is incredible. These were made without cranes, <laughs> wow, yeah. and all the walls are carved. Like it was always very intricate and beautiful. Um, but then, like say the history of the seventies and eighties, uh, and the the lesser known genocide of the twentieth century that happened under the Khmer Rouge, um, there really sent them back almost a thousand years. Um, so there's this weird kind of renewal of the country um so the cities are kind of coming together and they feel kind of like the busy bustling crowded kind of uh, asian cities where it's like you know stacks and stacks of of people that are running shops and living above them and power lines that are like tangled in a mess but when you go out to the villages because it's 2016 with the chapter of the 70s and the 80s that kind of like sent them back to the dark ages of farming but now they've had the reintroduction of technology you drive by these like 1800s looking like shanty huts with like a sat dish on top (laughs) and then you go out to these villages and they don't have running water but they have youtube and it's like yeah and it's like this priorities priorities it's surreal and we had conversations where like there's not like the filtering's not quite there so like if you like live in these villages and like you like know a life of farming and fishing and youtube like there was a student that we talked to through our translator that thought spider-man was real what i mean he saw the videos and he thought that in new york city the protector of new york city was spider-man and that those were like 
Yeah, yeah, like thought like that there was a, a being in New York City that would like swing from like you know the Batman was a defender of a city called Gotham and like like there's not a filter for these things because they just receive all of it, right? right? So and in very and like so so the one of the missionary guys that we worked with kind of talks about it is a very kind of teenage culture where there's a lot of like kind of formational filtering kind of work that we have to do because for them like it's like they went from I like they they're still using hand tools to farm but then they have the access of the they have a Facebook account, right? Like <laughs> and so it's just like like it's like kind of this weird like infinite stream of digital technology while they're in the midst of very like analog tools and living and so Wow, I, I've never thought about that. Yeah, trying to explain it, CGI to a kid that doesn't have clean drinking water. Right. Is right. Probably <laughs> his brother's about to die from dysentery and he's wondering like what are the extents of like what you know like CGI is. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow, wow. So just like, again, like I, I will try to come back in a later episode this summer and try to like kind of like talk about it more. Maybe we can even kind of share some of the ways in which our, our listeners can partner with what's going on over there. But I will tell you that the takeaway for me just really quickly is that the the ability or capacity to do missions starts with a vision and strategy. Like more than anything else that I took away from the trip, the people that I worked with there had a very clear vision of how they were going to reach villages for Christ. Yeah. Uh, and they and they were like living inside of, working inside of that vision and that strategy that comes with um, prayer walking, being aware, being in the midst, being relational, being in community. And like the way they talked about the things they were doing, not what they were doing, but the way they talked about the things they were doing, I was like, every pastor in the world needs to hear this. Yeah. Every person who claims to be on mission for Christ needs to hear this because it was so simple and yet it was so powerful. And so sure. just I, incredible. And I think, I think that that's so important when we think about uh, partnering with organizations, especially on short-term mission trips, because I think um, for a long time, uh, student ministries would just go into places that had no structure, that had no like long-term vision or strategy, yeah. and then they would just go build something, right? And we'll so go like, have VBS and leave. <laughs> yeah, there's like no follow-up. We've got right? crafts and songs to sing, and we're leaving on Friday, so come get changed by Jesus. Well, yeah. especially when you start talking about like people that that think Spider-Man's real, right? I mean, little kids, <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? Like, Jesus like, walks on water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that's all they know, right? They've <laughs> yeah. heard this, like they've heard like three stories and now they think, you know, that Jesus still is in the some, Justice League. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's still some guy named David running around, right? Just right, slaying right. giants. Slaying and, giants. You're telling um, me 12 year old boys can kill giants. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, that's what they take away, man. And I think, so let me. I'm going to go back to this story because this is fascinating. Did you tell him that Spider Man's not real? We we tried to explain that. Are Sp- you as the big Thor guy? You're like, no. Let me tell you about Thor. Let me tell you about Norse mythology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you really need is a hammer with lightning. Uh, no, uh, I think I think we tried to say like you know th- these are like you know like hero characters. But they're not like actual people. But then that becomes a very, really interesting conversation when you're trying to share the Jesus story, right? Like here's a person that they've read about or seen videos about who we believe to be real. And so how how you can kind of parse out that, you know, there's some historical stuff to the Bible and that the comic book things are more of like the imagination stuff or whatever. But it's just one of those really kind of like wow. one of those moments where you're like, no. And you're like, yep, it's real. <laughs> so so uh, can I tell you a story of – one of the angriest I've ever seen a parent in my life. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. This was the, I think the maddest I think I've ever had a parent 
uh, BME and you at yeah, at me, at, at me, okay, okay. dude. Like in my Story office, differently when it's you <laughs> in my office, yelling at the top of their lungs. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so I was teaching our middle school students, um, and I was telling the story of the day that I found out that Santa wasn't real. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. And so I, uh, you know, I'm telling this like funny story about me walking in on my dad, putting uh, presents underneath the tree and his like, and you're like 14, 15. No, I was young, man. I was like five <laughs> or six. Oh, that's but, sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, so here's the deal. I walk in, my dad, right. He's like in his, Red pants, tidy, tidy whities. <laughs> oh, tidy whities put the red pants on. Great. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's got tidy whities on, putting presents underneath the tree, and I just immediately figure it out, right? I'm like, this is all a hoax. Like this is my it's, parents. Like it's a sham. <laughs> it's a sham. But but here's the thing. I thought that if they knew that I knew that there wasn't a Santa, that I wouldn't get presents. Yeah. So okay. The, the next like three four years of my life are a total lie. Right, so you like inceptioned it or whatever. You're like, oh yeah, Santa. Like, I, I, I hope Santa sends me something good this year. Oh I'm yeah, leave. like I'm. That's the route I went. But like behind closed doors, I'm telling my little brother, I'm like, totally not real. Totally not real. Totally not real. And uh, but I'm like, you can't say anything or we won't get anything. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, uh, at least the big present, right? That's Don't hate the, the player, hate the game. Yeah. Right, you got to get in it, man. <laughs> so, anyways, I tell I tell this story, you know, and um, we were, I think we were in a series that we were talking about truth. Okay, and and so I it felt like a fitting story, right? It's yeah, I tell this story about how strong image, yeah, right, and and so the next day, Monday morning, um, I have a mother of a uh, sixth grader come in. Oh no. And her sixth grader still believed that there was a Santa until Sunday morning. <laughs> and dude, this mom was mad, man. Like, and and she started saying like things like, uh, th- "This was the moment that like I was like, because I in in situations like that, I kind of sat back and listened, you know, and I'm hearing yeah. the mother and all those kind of things and being respectful and um, such a good minister." I don't know about that. Um, but I, I'm sitting there until the mom says this, she goes, my children trust you. They believe the things that you say. Um, and they believe that the things that you say are true. Mm. And I look at her and I go, I go, ma'am, I go, there's a reason for that. I said, yeah. I said, my ministry is based on truth. And I said, I'm going to tell the truth. And I said, I go, Santa's not real. Not real. <laughs> and I go, your sixth grader, I said, your sixth grader needs to know that at yeah. this point in their life. Your Polar Express preteen needs to know the truth. <laughs> right. And, and I go, I go, I, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin Christmas for you, which is what she said that I did. Oh, um, and all these kind of things. Um, I, I said, you're Thanksgiving. <laughs> I said, but, but I'm not going to be somebody that's going to try to teach your kids something that's not right. Yeah. And, and so anyways, but it, it ended well, it was all peaceful in the end, but man, there was a moment where it was like, I thought this lady was going to hit me, man. It was like, yeah. I was the Grinch himself. Well, <laughs> I think that's a great jumping off point for our conversation today. So here for episode 32, 32 episodes, Chad. Magic um, Johnson. Or, 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 
<laughs> it's magic. This is a magic episode. Uh, we're talking about overprotective parents, and I think the conversation surrounding what it means to uh, relate to minister to, to support, to uh, partner with overprotective or maybe even helicopter parents is a real conversation, uh, especially in the midst of a busy time, busy season like summer, when you maybe have more access and more time spent uh, with with young people, with students. And so, I mean, whether it's um, going to camp or taking the kids halfway around the world to Cambodia um, – <laughs> You're going to have some parents uh, that, for right or for wrong, their intentions are to be as near and dear to their students as possible. Uh, and the relationship between you and the parent and you and the student are things that should both be examined. So today, talking about overprotective parents, Chad Higgins, where do you want to start us with on this conversation topic? So let's – in the first part of our episode, let's talk about what is a helicopter parent, like what, okay. what we see, um, how ministries change because of it, right? Because I, I think that probably – helicopter parents haven't always been around okay. at least to what we see it and the kind of the definition that we'll give it here in a, in a moment but then on the second half let's let's really dive into um, some thoughts on how this student minister um, how you can keep your sanity in all of this um, but then how, how you can help your ministry help your parents and help your students uh, in the process uh, of this because I think that there's a correct answer and how we how we do it and how we handle it that, that's healthy yeah. for everyone involved. Well, okay, so let's start with the question of where do you, where do helicopter parents come from, Chad? <laughs> from, <laughs> like because from other helicopter parents. Okay, do you feel like they kind of like is it breed like for for, for even <laughs> when a mommy helicopter parent, <laughs> mommy daddy helicopter, <laughs> daddy helicopter parent go to the launch pad? Uh, so, like, do you feel like it's it's something that's like in the culture of like the community or church that you're in, or do you feel like there's always going to be like? Eight to eighteen percent of parents that are helicopter parents. Like, what what are kind of your experiences serving at your the churches that you've served at? Like, is is the percentage the same no matter where you go, or is it one of those that like once a few rise up, they begin to kind of cluster and hive? Um. So, one one book that I would point all of our listeners to is um, a book called Generation IY by Tim Elmore. Yeah. Um, that talks a lot about some generational type things as far as students. And he covers um, some parenting and things in there. It's, it's a great book as far as just inside of, of where your students are at currently today. But um, so here, here is my thought. And, and even over the last 13 years or whatever, student ministry um, that, I've, that I've been in it, um, and, and I think back to my own student ministry experience, I think, I think our nation has on, undergone a cultural change okay. and shift. Um, and, and I think that that tipping point, honestly, uh, goes back to 9-11, to be very honest. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as just like on a um, sociology level of where we're at. I, I think that up until that point um, in the United States history, we almost had this feeling of untouchable in some ways. Yeah. To live um, without fear. Yeah, right. Like, man, I can remember being a little kid and just jumping on my bike and literally going anywhere I wanted. Yeah. Um, as long as you were home for dinner, yeah. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you saw, like, some kid just, like, riding down, like, the highway or whatever, you know what I mean, on their bike today? Like, you're going, somebody needs to call protective services on this parent, right? Yeah. But, like, back when we were kids, like, that was pretty common, right? At least it was where I grew up, and we'd ride our bikes everywhere and go do things. And 
you know, it seemed like everybody knew everybody else's kids, all those kind of things. Well, I think that that world's changed, right? We, we live in this place where um, we're bombarded by 24-hour media that tells us yeah. that everything yeah. is absolutely horrible um, and all those kind of things, which in all reality, like, sure, like, we, we, we live in a very difficult time. Um, but if we start looking at some hard statistics, maybe crime's down. <laughs> and it is from in from the 1990s and all those kind of things. But we don't hear that, right? We're bombarded because bad things sell CNN, right? Yeah. They allow them to get more commercials and all those kind of things. And so I think that there's this perception that the world that we live in is really, really, really bad. Um, and and I, I don't know if that's always the case everywhere, right? And we have these like incidences and things that are absolutely tragic and all those kind of things. Um, but then there's just some reality of most likely the small town that you live in is not horrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that there's this level of fear. Yeah. And to be very honest, I think it comes from this place of fear. Yeah. And so um, when you're hearing 24 hours a day that, you're going to get hurt and you're going to get injured and all those kind of things, then I think naturally I think parents are afraid and they're, they're scared and they're worried about their kids. And so I think it comes from this place on a kind of a national level of, man, that we're just getting bombarded with all this information of horrible things. And so I think, I think we have people that are afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. And so of course, when you start saying like, Hey, I'm going to take your kid for a week you're not going to be there. And like yourself, you're going to be in this third world country where I think a lot of Americans view of the rest of the world is it's all third world country, right? (laughs) Everywhere's terrible, but home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, And so I think that they have this view of, you know, you've got America and London that are okay. And then everywhere else is just shanties. Yeah. And, and I think that with YouTube, with YouTube, <laughs> uh, with Twitter well, and YouTube, yeah, yeah. Well, well and, and I think that's one of the things that is um, it's kind of a dislocation or a, a lack of perspective um, from their own experience, right? Like they they are informed uh, a steady diet of you know maybe one voice that maybe isn't quite reflective of the whole story, and then I think the other half, and this is the part that I think that I'm always wrestling with, is that the the convenience of the information has increased like we're, we're we're always getting news we're all the time like stories are being updated before they're actually even verified or vetted but we're also able to communicate instantaneously with the children right like so it's one of those that like i i have students that will be in contact with their parent about something before i hear from either the student or the parent so i feel like i'm immediately put in some kind of like vice of like okay well who said what about whatever thing, right? Like, like I remember growing up, and if a kid wanted to go home from a youth event, you had to clear it with the youth minister or sponsor or chaperone or whatever. Well, now it, it, we've had situations where the student will be like, everybody's picking on me. Mom, come pick me up. And the next thing you know, the parent will be there without ever contacting you or the student hearing. So, like, you're, like, having to, like, like be surprised by right. these things that are happening. And I think I, the thing that I think I would kind of lay out in the first half as the issue number one is that never before have parents been more afraid and more distrusting of other adults 
and more trusting of their like students, right? Like this is the thing that I think is true um, from from the classroom to to the church house to even in our communities is that parents seem to be very trusting of their kids and very distrusting of other adults right, wrong, or whatever, the kid always seems to trump the other adult, like without any kind of conversation. And so I think that as the minister, you have to know that that is a cultural shift that is not necessarily just reflective of your ministry. And so you're going to probably feel at odds with some of your parents, especially if you're in a new setting, especially if it's a new family or a new student or a new set of parents. And that's why I think we have to be even more thoughtful in the ways that we communicate and try to connect with, with the parents of our ministry. Wow. Yeah, that's great insight, Zach. What, what are, what are some of the, um, what are some of the habits or things that you see parents do that you feel like kind of cross that line of just being parents that are concerned for their children and, you know, prayerful of your ministry and encouraging of your ministry and then parents that you feel like, okay, enough is enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the thing that I think that I've really wrestled in my heart, and part of this is from being a parent myself, like the last nine months, uh, Karen, I've had a baby boy, and it's changed a lot of things that we've kind of thought about and kind of perspective and those things. And then also turning 30 makes me feel old enough that I can kind of maybe see beyond, you know, young eyes or whatever. And that's, I think, too many parents wait too late to talk to these adult authorities in their student's life, right? Like, I feel like more often than not, if a parent's calling me, they're at their wit's end, they're at their last straw, or they're just really, really frustrated. Like, the story that (laughs) the, the mom shared with you, like, like, clearly she was in the know enough to know that your ministry stood for truth, but she didn't show up to talk to you about your approach to truthful ministry until she had just got rubbed the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's been uh, at least two to three instances, episodes of that in my own ministry, even in the last six, seven months of, you know, I, I feel like I'm available. I feel like, you know, my cell phone and email and Twitter and office hours are out there, but often there is that parent call, that parent email, that parent concern that doesn't show up until it feel it feels like it's too late, right? Uh, without divulging too much, there's been two sets of parents in the last nine months that have come to me almost to the point of like, hey, we decided to make these decisions about our students. We just wanted to let you know. And I felt like more than anything in my heart, like why wasn't I involved in some of these processes, right? Like if your student is really struggling with with this or with that, and you believe that pastoral people have giftingness, insight, wisdom, and you know that I care about your student, why wouldn't you call me in the middle of it? Like, why wouldn't you call me um, as you were beginning to kind of walk through or discover this process, as opposed to like, hey, we've made this big decision, and this is going to happen, we just wanted you to know. And that's the part where it can feel like the shift of like, am I even here to pastor or am I really just planning programs for your kids? But I think that that's a, that's an interesting question, Zach. And I think a a question that we need to, I I guess, be asking, um, and this is probably a whole other episode, but what, what is the correct relationship and what's the responsibility of the student minister inside the life of the student, right? And where, um, 
are we the guy that you know does things at the church or are we the guy that promotes what the parents are doing all of those kind of things i think are appropriate questions that we need to ask and i think it's it's a question that if you're not answering for yourself right in the ministry context that you're leading people are going to answer it for you right yeah like yeah. your parents that you minister to um, have an expectation and have a insight of this is what this person is supposed to do, not only for their job, but inside my family. And, and, and this is how we're going to respond to them and, and, yeah. um, and work alongside them. And so I, I think that that's, um, that's always going to be the case. Like you're either going to define that for the people around you or they're going to define it for you. Good. Well, let's let's ask that question after the break. Let's take it to the break and come back and talk about the role of the minister in relating to these overprotective helicopter parents. Because I feel like that is some of the rich questions that uh, are ripe for our afternoon listeners. So we'll catch you after the break. Calling all After Nine listeners. Zach and Chad are incredibly thankful for your patronage and encouragement. As we move into the next chapter of After Nine, we want to ask for your support. You can help make After Nine even better. Please consider contributing monthly to growing After Nine's reach and resources by visiting our Patreon page. Go to www.patreon.com slash afternine to become a supporter. You can also visit www.afternineministry.com slash support to learn more. We appreciate your ongoing encouragement, prayers, and support. Hey, welcome back to After Nine. I am Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Working. Hey, um, before we dive into this, I just want to remind all of our listeners, if you'll take some time and you will go to um, iTunes and review and rate this podcast, we would absolutely love that so much. It helps us uh, connect with even more people and um, and we would love to hear that. I, it, ma- it makes us look good. It's a chance for you to look good, and we'll make sure and you know send you lots of thank yous for all I, the things. I you, print you, off. If you enjoyed it. It means a lot to us. It costs you a little bit of time, um, but it, it, it pays off big for, for, for us and for you. I print off every one of those reviews. Frame it does. It's, it's, a, it's a wall. That's There's a not wall. true a, at all. Well, I mean, I mean you, you, you put them on a wall. They're just kind of taped up. They're not really yeah, – yeah. but he does look at Ch- – Chad loves the reviews. makes him feel good. And, and so if you're also not following us on Twitter, Chad's always posting great things at After Nine Ministry. Um, lots of exciting things and updates. And so you'll make sure and follow us there. And then also on the Facebook, you can find us After Nine Ministry. All well. right. So, Zach, where, where, did, where did you leave us? So, the, so we left with a question of, okay, so episode overprotective or quote-unquote helicopter parents, who are they, where do they come from, why is it an issue, but more than just the issue we hear after I talk about the role of the ministry and the minister. And so Chad, help us like define, redefine, understand what it means to be a youth or student pastor. I know in some denominations and traditions the word pastor is is applied differently some folks are directors of youth ministry some folks are ministers to students but i feel like the heart of a person that is there for young people is a pastoring heart you care and shepherd young people and by uh proxy i guess or by correlation also try to partner and pastor um, parents in the process of them parenting their young people and so how, how can we be 
even more pastoral in our role of working with young people? Sure. Well, one of the things I think we have to remember, especially in this episode, right? Because, you know, after nine, we're all about those questions that you're asking yourself when you're going to your car at night at nine o'clock. And, and this is probably one of those questions, right? Like, why are these parents always on my case? And I think it's important to remember. I don't want to listen to this voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's important to remember that these are their children. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Like, at they're, the end, they're, they're only your part-time kids. This is their full-time spawn. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Um, <laughs> um, they, bi- biblically God has, um, uh, instilled in these parents a responsibility to disciple their children. Yes. And, and so that is first and foremost. And I think if we start to understand and see ministry in that light, that you as the student minister um, should not be the primary disciple maker of their children, um, then I think that we can maybe start to look at this a little bit differently, right? And and how we do it, how we engage in parents, and, and how we're having conversations. One of the things that I'm always trying to be mindful of um, is I always want to talk up the parents in front of their students, right? Okay, okay. Even even if my relationship with that parent is not everything that I would love it to be, like well, I, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I, I still want to champion the parent, right? I want to talk yeah. great things about their parents and um, how how respectful I am of them. Because man, if you remember what it's like to be a teenager, you're constantly butting heads with your um, parents, and so you need other adults in their life to continue to remind them, especially when it's true, you have phenomenal parents, right? They love you. They care for you. All those kind of things that I think, I think is really, really important in student ministry. No, that's good. That's good. And and, and I think, I think understanding, I think understanding that the time that you have with them is such a, you know, uh, it's, it's a high dosage of time, but it's not a long term amount of time. And so, uh, I mean, e- even even in the retreat setting or the camp setting that you have, you know, students for an extended number of days, um, for the most part, you're probably seeing students at their best. And so as much as you want to believe that that young girl would never cause problems or that young man is just the most respectful young man you've ever met, they're probably, I mean, for, for my favorite youth ministry mean word to use they're probably turds at home sometimes right like like they're like a 15 year old jerk i mean i mean are. i mean a 14 year old boy even if he's a straight a student that's just a real go-getter is probably not great all the time at home and so i think that's one of the things that um we we're pretty quick to defend the students and i think that we in some ways are a champion for our kids but we're also a champion for them for their whole lives and i think part of that is partnering with the people that are contributing much of the time to raising that student i mean this is why we get concerned about the the friends of students the teachers of students but ultimately the parents of students and so i I think the most practical thing that i would share and kind of kind of wrapping this episode up for our listeners chad is that over communication is the best gift you can give parents Again, all you can do is send it, um, but make sure that whatever is happening in your ministry, not just the dates of camp, not just the cost of the retreat, but the kinds of things that you're teaching, the kind of values that you esteem in your ministry, the truthfulness that your ministry will hold to, even at the point of rejection by a parent who loves um, Santa Claus more than Jesus. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, like those, those things should be well documented and communicated to the parents. This, this is the thing we've talked about before, but the email strategy, the texting resources, um, the direct phone calls. I mean, I think there is nothing better that we could spend the majority of our time doing than communicating to parents what we hope right. to be about. You know, I think I think if we continue to come to this place of frustration in the way that we lead, right? If yeah. you're just frustrated with parents that because you feel like they're too overprotective and all that kind of stuff, you're never going to fix the problem, and you're always going to have this parent, you know, on your back, and and it's going to cause a bigger problem because they're going to begin to talk to other parents and all that okay. kind of stuff. And and if you think about what we talked about early uh, in this episode. Um, most of this helicopter protective parents come from this place of fear and worry and um, information that may not be true. And so what ends up happening is you have one really, really worried parent that creates a scenario that may or may not be true. And then they begin to tell other parents. And what you have is you have, you've built an entire culture that may not be reality. Yeah. You have parents that believe that maybe their kid's not safe, right? They're they're subbing in, they're subbing in their lack of, information with their own kind of made up information and this is why it's so important that yeah you're going to have a parent or two that's like well i heard this or did this happen but that's where if the you know battalion of other parents that are in the know say no that's not right like chad's ministry's always been about this that sounds really strange you should just talk to him that helps prevent it from you know uh, festering or growing or you know well, <laughs> kind of it, rampaging here, through here's one of the things that i see that i think is yeah, if you man t- take this advice, I think sometimes we try to communicate to parents the same way we communicate to teenagers mm-hmm. about an event. Right? It's like we're trying to get a kid signed up for camp, and so we're telling them about how you know awesome the lake is and how much yeah. fun they're going to have at night, and how the t-shirts a tank top. Look at the, <laughs> look at our awesome logo and yeah. all this kind of deal. And, the band uh, has an accordion. <laughs> and then we get to these parent meetings and we do the exact same exact thing. thing. Man, the wreck is huge. The ropes course is 30 feet in the air. They're going to be swinging. They're going to be dangling. It's going to be awesome. They're going to stay up all night and never sleep. And I feel like, why would I ever entrust my child to right. you? Like, so, I don't know. <laughs> when, when you're thinking about communicating uh, to your parents in your ministry, think through for your I, – I would – Put it for you through this lens of, okay, who are my most protective parents? Yes. What do what they do want? They, what yeah, do they what, need to hear? What exactly. Do they need to hear? And so think through, okay, for a parent, little things that you can communicate that in your mind you're like, this is the most pointless thing ever. If you communicate some of these things to your parents in a parent meeting – um, yeah. over that, man, your kid's going to have an awesome time. Because I think most parents believe, okay, my kid's going to have a great time. They're going to, you know, hopefully learn a little bit about They're the not world. worried about that. <laughs> right. And so you need to communicate things like, okay, here's how your child's going to be safe. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Here's and who's that, driving them. Here's what they're eating. Here's their accommodations. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. And and that, that takes some planning. This It takes some thought. And it allows you to to go on the backside and, and be able to communicate even little things that are so easy. Like here's a schedule of the entire week of camp. Yeah. And we thought like, your parents aren't going to be at camp. <laughs> yeah. But now they can see that. And now when they're yeah. freaking out at home, cause they haven't heard from their kid in three days, they can look and go, Oh, he's at rec time right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in their mind, yeah. now they know where their child's at, what their child's yeah. doing. 
You just um, saved them a pager, a pager text. <laughs> right, right. Where are you? Um, <laughs> yeah, let them, let them know about um, the medical things that are provided at camp. There's a, you know, maybe the there's an on-site nurse. Yeah, there's a doctor. All those kind of things that that parents need to know here. If you can tell the, tell their parents, hey, here's what they're going to be eating. Like as yeah. weird as that sounds, like even just parents wanting to know, like, okay, I know that my kid's going to be fed. Yeah. Because up yep. until this point in their life, for many of them, like that's been a pretty important part of their job is making sure their kid is fed. Fed. Yep. Yeah. No, that's good. And well, so, so that, let me. Let me Sorry, I was going to say, I was, I was going to close with this because this bring it full circle. Uh, I had a friend ask us in youth ministry, like as we were kind of preparing for uh, our mission trip this summer, because he was kind of going uh, to take his group abroad for the very first time and had heard that we were taking our group to about as far away as you could go. And he's like, dude, how are you pulling that off? Like, you know, what, what, what did you, what did you say? How did you win people over? And my, my short uh, snippy, but, but trying to be insightful answer was a thick packet. <laughs> And so, like, the the way that we got to take kids halfway around the world is on the front end, I had a 15-page packet ready with all the things that you talked about, um, the ways to pay, the ways to raise money, um, showing that I had thought through not just the idea, but the execution of the idea for what we were hoping to do. And I think for our youth ministry friends, like, the 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 conversation uh, about connecting and relating to these parents that seem overprotective starts on the front end of being overly communicative. Communicative? Communicative? Yeah. You should do more communication to match their protectiveness. <laughs> That's awesome, Zach. Well, man, thank you guys for, for tuning in and listening to After 9 this week. We hope that you have a phenomenal, phenomenal time and make sure to call your mom. listening to After 9. Join the community and continue the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or visit after9ministry.com to share your story.